Hello, electric people. It's Ty Williams. Today on the show, we had Ben Ward. Uh, ben Ward is a good friend of mine, and um, he comes with over 20 years of sales and leadership experience. Really good conversation, speaks the same language as all of us, and we had a chance to dive pretty deep into a lot of principles that he's developed and stands behind. You can tell there's a lot of passion and um, enthusiasm behind him. Uh, he started his early days in the alarm industry as a direct seller, became then a leader, became a regional manager, uh, you know, gradually grew in commissions and ability and helped develop the industry. Also had a chance to start his own business. He's done a lot of executive coaching, now runs his own, his own business that does executive coaching, keynote speaking, and uh, leadership development. He's awesome. Uh, obviously, a, a treat to sit down with him. He's written a, he's written a couple books. Um, one of them is called Sellership. And sellership is essentially, um, it helps leaders make the transition from high-performing salesperson to leader, which is a crazy jump. We had a chance to talk about that. And he also wrote uh, Pluck the FUD. So FUD stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And it is essentially a, a story that tells tools on, on how to overcome those things. So I uh, appreciate Ben. He shared some really personal things on this, as well as really applicable professional things. Um, he's got a website with a ton of different tools. He's got a YouTube channel. We'll put the link to those in our show notes. And let's get to it. Friends, this is Ben Ward. The street is where we create. We call it suburbanpreneurship. Mixing big company resources with an entrepreneurial spirit. This is Electric People. It's rare that I talk to somebody that has as much time in this industry as me. Yeah. You're 20... Years? Ah, oh, geez. When did you get started at First so, Line? First Line was 2001. And that was your introduction to direct sales? Yes. Yep. 2001. So I started, I got signed up in 03. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you were like pre cell phone days, right? Pre cell phone. Yeah. I didn't have a cell phone when we, when we started. I, I had the Nokia 5150. Yeah. And I didn't use it. I'm like, nobody's going to use this thing. Yeah. And I remember seeing people at the gym, like texting. Yeah. Like the first like couple months that cell phones came out, somebody was at the, at the gym texting. I'm like, what in the heck yeah, are what they Yeah, what a waste doing? of time. <laughs> you had to pay for every text. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So you had, uh, how did you get started in the alarm industry? So I served a mission for my church to, for two years. And, and I, I, uh, man, knocking doors, I learned, um, most people didn't want to do it. It was hard. Where'd you go? Spokane, Washington. Oh, really? I'm from Washington. Did you know that? Yeah, no, I didn't know I'm that. I'm from Seattle, so other side of the state. But. Yeah, yeah. So I, I learned to love to knock doors. And it turns out it just sharpened my saw to, to where I wasn't waiting around for people to teach. And so when I, when I was out there knocking doors, it was grueling, hard, challenging. But I found some success and I uh, was able to teach people and, and, uh, and just serve a lot of people that way. And when I got home from my mission, my buddy, Spencer Anderson, mm. he, he, uh, he, we served together in Spokane and he, he had made 10,000. Where's Spencer from? He's from Utah. Oh, okay. Yeah. A, I thought I knew him, but the Spencer that I know is from California. Yeah. Yeah. So he'd made 10 grand in a summer the year before. And I'm like, what? That's more than I've made in my whole life. <laughs> like if I can make that in a summer, I mean, I'd, I'd go work my guts out. And so he's like, yeah, come, come knock doors. So I went out and my first two weeks I sold zero mm. and I was legit almost fired from a straight commission job. Dude, talk about the mindset of selling zero for the first two weeks 
in an alarm summer. I mean, it was grueling. It, I, I came off of two years of giving all my time and working my guts out. So I knew how to work hard. I was working early, early to late, late and, and not taking lunches and just pounding. But the mindset of it, man, man, I, I'm like, this is not as valuable as going and teaching somebody about, about Jesus, you know, or like right. it just didn't have the same like weight. And so it, it was a lot harder, way harder. Yeah. And I, uh, I actually quit two weeks in my manager, Jared Taggart, he sat me down. We sat, I'll never forget on this curb out in the area. He came and met with me. He's like, listen, Ben, <laughs> sales is not for everybody. Yeah. And everybody in the whole office, we had 30 guys there. They all had been selling and not me. And he's it like, was an act of mercy. It was an act of mercy. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, you know what? And, and I'm just, and I, at that point, my, I had my parents in my ear, my yeah. mom and dad were like, don't go and do this job. This is dumb. It and sounded scammy back then. It right? was, it was scammy. Like in yeah. their minds, you know, yeah. you're going to, you're going to do what for, for what? And they're not going to pay you. They're not going to guarantee you. Like, you're just going to like, anyways. So my parents were in my background, like Ben come, you know, they had just, they had just called me that day. This was two weeks in. And they had called me and said, listen, your room is still available. You still have your job as Sportula. You could string rackets, making seven bucks an hour. And you're like, you're good. You got your cushy, you know, secure job there. Like, and, and just, and so I actually, I quit <laughs> that day. I'm like, okay, my managers, you know, yeah. in my ear, my parents, I'm just going to, I'm done. Two, it's not weeks, two weeks is an eternity, eternity when you're, when you're eight hours a day in straight commission, because you see other people that have less experience, that are less driven, that are less everything that are getting, Oh, I got two today. And yes. you're like, I could slap your face. <laughs> like, you, get, you know what I mean? And like, I, I've noticed that especially well in any direct sales, but it's like the first day you don't sell. It's like, all right. Yeah. Some days are like that. Get up early train. I'm going to go get it. The next day it's like, maybe like this area is not very good. Like, what are you doing? Maybe I'll have some success. Day three, it's like, okay, maybe this isn't for me. And honestly, by like day four or five, you're like, who am I? Like that. <laughs> what am I doing? It happens so fast. <laughs> so right? fast. And you try to get yourself in the right headspace. And you're right. After two weeks of that, like it's one thing to you're say. You're a different person, man. Yeah. Your head is telling you completely different things than it did two weeks ago. I mean, two week, two weeks in, imagine I'm on the doors, no success. What if, what's the narrative I'm telling myself? Right. Nobody wants this. Nobody's going to listen to me. No, nobody's going to knock on the door. And it my my brain and the signals that I'm sending myself and them is, I know you're not going to buy, but yeah. I'm just here. You're, <laughs> like, just, you're just repelling people. I'm just here. Yeah. And you're just repelling people. It's almost like, just like the commission breath is just so real. Just, yeah. And then all of a sudden the sports chalet looks pretty good. It does. <laughs> yeah. And it's comfortable and like, yeah. you know, and you're putting yourself out there at every new door and you have people that hate you. You know, you have people that are just like, get the, get out of here. And, and so I, I'll, I'll never forget this moment specifically. I had quit. I've got my suitcases out and I was in Oceanside, California, um, selling that, that my first year. And I just decided to go for a run and I was mad. I was like, I was like, just, I was frustrated. I was upset. I was not successful. I didn't have any money. My car was broken down and it just, it was just this terrible situation, but I had a, I had my house. My parents were going to rescue me and I was going to just be, you know, be back at home and just kind of live my, you know, go to school, do that, do, you know, kind of submit to my parents will like, that's kind of where I was at. And so I went for this run and I remember I was just running. I'm crying. I'm at the Oceanside Pier, just booking it, running it. And, and I'm just like, and it, something hit me. Because I, I had quit. I was done. And it hit me. I was like, wait a minute. What am I running from? Like, these people on the doors, 
they're not rejecting my offer. They don't even know what the offer is. These are people I could potentially help if I could break through. They're just rejecting somebody that they don't know, they don't like, they don't trust. They, 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 for all they know, I'm there to case out their home. I'm definitely gonna steal their time, which they're not gonna let me. I'm gonna maybe steal their money through something I'm selling and maybe be casing out their garage and steal something later from the house. That's, that's all they knew. And, I, and I, while I was running, I just, I just I, it snapped to where I'm like, wait a minute, I'm doing this all wrong. I'm not connecting with anybody. And these are skills I'm gonna need to learn now I served a mission. I learned. I knocked doors like for my church for two years to teach about the about Jesus and to serve people and stuff. But like in the real world, in like business, and like who, what am I going to become? I needed to figure out how to like actually connect somebody and help them, like help them to see what I'm doing. Have an actual choice on like, is this going to be good for me or is it not? And I and I while I was running, I'm like, you know what? I'm giving nobody. Like these people are not rejecting the alarms that I'm selling. They, we're not even getting there. They're just rejecting me off the, off, off the, and so I needed to learn the skills to be able to connect with people quickly, immediately. And that right there will serve me. And I, and I just remember being like, Oh man, if my goal shifted from making a sale, which was success before, which I was not successful to then, how can I help somebody have, this is the absolute magic key. How can I help somebody have the best chance to know what I'm doing and give them an opportunity to see if it's good for them. And if it is, I can serve them with it. And if it's not, no problem. I'm out. No problem. And I just realized, and so I, my goal shifted from success on the, on the doors being a sale to success on the door is, do they know what I'm doing and do they understand what it is I can provide mm-hmm. for them and let them make that decision. And that and so I went on a rampage and, and I went and I learned, I figured out some of the skills. I learned some of the skills of how to connect with people, pattern interrupts, how to communicate, how to keep things moving to give them the best chance. And then all of a sudden I started seeing success. Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like how the, the, the mind of a sales, like the reality of a salesperson and the reality of the customer are completely different. Totally. Right? Like, the salesperson has all the stuff that took you running that day, right? Like where it's like, okay, am I going to be successful? How do I sell? How come this person's selling? How come I'm not? All of these totally. things. What's my pitch? What's my stance? Yeah. How do I like and all that And the customer stuff. is yeah. like eating chips and like <laughs> watching a show or they're wrangling their kids yeah. or they just got home from work. And so it's like, it's almost like you're speaking a different language. Totally. Right. And, and you're so, entering into their atmosphere yeah. with your agenda. If you try to cram your agenda in there, it's, it's just, just a, a disaster. Big you know, yeah. yes, disaster. It's just a disaster. But I think that's really important. Like understanding that like one and, and the military talks about this, like the reason people quit buds and the seals is because their brains just, they look at it like it's Wednesday. I have to make it through two more months of this, I can't do it. Like the thought is too big. Boom, I'm out. Right? Thought's too big. Yeah. But once they start saying, you know what? I'm just going to like try and stay alive till lunch. <laughs> but all of a sudden life's a little bit easier. And I think that that's what like with selling where it's like, Hey, the goal isn't to sell this person. The goal is to make a connection first. If you make a connection, let them know what you're doing. And then if the connection is real, the thing that you thought was the, the end goal that just happens, mm. right? It almost like happens automatically. It's weird. It's almost like, it's like dating, right? Like if you come at someone like, I have to get married and I have to, they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh man. But if you're like, Hey, let's see if we have fun together. What do you know? Six months later, you're in a relationship and you're happy. Absolutely. And you know, with that, I've, I've learned that the easy part in achieving results and having success is learning the skills 
to be successful. Anybody can learn the skills. They're duplicatable. They're replicatable. Mm-hmm. What's your pitch, your tone, your stance? Like, what questions are you asking? Are you, are you, you know, your tonality, are you going up at the end of the sentence? Like, if a doctor comes to you, like, how's, how's your elbow feeling? Mm-hmm. What, we're going to do, we give you a prescription, and we're going to, this prescription is going to help you with this. You're going to be like, uh, and then, like, the authority's gone. Mm-hmm. And, like, these are skills you can learn. Like, hey, how's your elbow feeling? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Okay, what we're going to do, we're going to do an x-ray. And with that, you know, okay, boom, here's the x-ray results. Here, and your tone goes down. And those right. are all things that are so easy to learn that you can watch a YouTube video. You can listen to these podcasts. You can listen to, you can, you know, men, uh, you know, just shadow a mentor. Or whatever it is that you do, you can learn. The easy part is learning the skills. The hard part, like the real challenge in achieving results is learning to guard your mind and take action despite inevitable fear. Yeah. Yeah, I've always said that the difference between a high performer and someone that's not is strictly the way they think, right? Because you'll Absolutely. figure you'll figure everything else out, right? But if your programming is wrong, I always say like point to the brain, like software, body, hardware, right? Body does what the brain tells it to do. Yes. So if the thinking is wrong, it, you just there's no way you're you'll ever engage in the right actions. If your thinking is right, the, you'll figure it out. Right. There's a million different ways to get a sale. There's a million different ways to generate interest. There's a million different ways to engage in a conversation, connect with somebody. I could agree more, man. And one specific thing that I learned was the key to success on the doors. When you're knocking door to door and you're going and talking to people, every single new door you talk to is a new universe. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're welcoming in this one. And the next one, they hate you. The next one is just like, eh, whatever. And and, and next one's really busy. Next one would be, would be open, but they're headed on vacation. And you just, every new door. But one of the things that, that, uh, that I've learned is that, Oh, where was I headed with that? I was headed somewhere awesome with that. It's going to come right back to me. New universe. (laughs) Yeah. Before the new universe. So, so, okay, this is what it is. The secret to success on the doors, 1000%. I'm giving you a tip right here that's made me, that's earned, I've earned over a million dollars my, my first, while I was in college doing this with this one secret I'm gonna share with you right now, is the secret to success on the doors is what do you fill your mind with in between doors? That's the key. And because the world around you is gonna tell you all of the reasons why you can't succeed. You're going to have somebody knock on their door, and this happened to me. They, 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 you're going to have somebody flick you a nickel, and, be, and it's going to land in your, in your hand, and they're going to tell you to get a real job. <laughs> and that, I remember that happened to me. It was like, oh, man. And the, the secret to, to performing on the doors is what do you fill your mind with in between doors? And so what I, what I started doing is I started getting flashcards, and I would take a quote. I'm like, you know what? Like, for example, the, the amazing quote from Marianne Williamson where it's like your deepest fear is not that you're inadequate. I'll share a little bit more about that quote in a second, but like, but you capture some sort of quote or thought or poem or idea that inspires you to be your best self. And if you could, if you could latch onto that thought and always have that thought conscious in your brain, you would become the best version of yourself. And so I, what, what I challenge you to do was what I did as I started like figuring out how to, how to succeed in between doors rather than just, just, just like walking around and looking at the sky and looking at, you know, rather than just whatever it was I was looking at, I started filling my brain with intentional thoughts that empower me to be my best. So that when I showed up on the door, I was filled, I was equipped with, with the, the, the power that was inoculated against the, 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 the world around me telling me that I can't succeed because I was so busy 
sprinting to the next door, filling my mind with things that serve me, knocking on that door, equipped, was so busy sprinting to my goals that I didn't hear the negative voices. My, my friends, were, they were either you know, telling me that didn't come out, they were saying, you're not gonna succeed, or just the voices in my head, the, my own personal negative voices of why my fears, uncertainties, and doubts, or the people that are giving me feedback on the doors that are telling me to get out of their face and get a real job or whatever it is. But by filling my mind, and then now I have, if we had a video, video I could show you, I have hundred. if I was in my office, I'd show you hundreds of flashcards that I memorized in between doors to, mm. to fill myself with thoughts that served me so that I showed up my best. One of them that just, that I mentioned I'd share a little bit with is Marianne Williams. And this was so powerful to me because I, I memorized this. I put on a flashcard and I put in between doors, I would be thinking about this. I'd be like, all right, listen, your deepest fear is not that you're inadequate. You're powerful beyond measure. It's your light, not your darkness, which, which, which most frightens you. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so, so that other people feel insecure. Don't, don't feel insecure around you. You're all meant to shine. And this, these, these, this quote of, of like who you are. So I filled my brain with things like this. And that in between doors made it so that I would actually get myself to show up time after time. And then it's just knuckle the door, knuckle the door, knuckle the door a, a thousand times a day. And the, the biggest, you know, the best sales will come at the end of the longest days the longest streets and the, the very last person you meet. And if you fill your brain with thoughts that serve you all day long, you'll get there to that very last person that you'll end up closing for the day. Yeah. And I, uh, your book talks a lot about that. So in pluck the FUD, that's basically like, it's funny. I mean, I, I sensed, but how many of those stories are actually personal, right? You just find yes. a way to like plug your personal experiences into the scenario that you've created. It was very good. Um, Thank you. Yeah, totally. Just tons of personal experiences. Yeah. But it's crazy how, um, you know, how often your reality exists because of the way you think, you know, there's the quote, I can't remember who said it, but man's mind is its own place. It can make a hell out of heaven and a heaven out of hell. Yeah. It's like, and I notice it like sometimes like you walk out of, um, we, we, we've had a lot of speakers come to our, to our company and it's really interesting for me because I book them now and afterwards some people will, I'll, I'll reach out and be like, Hey, what'd you think? And they're like, yeah. It wasn't very good. And then I'll get another text. like best speaker we've ever had. And I'm like, okay, these are two people that are pretty similar, pretty similar backgrounds, pretty similar job. The, their day to day is pretty similar, similar age, similar upbringing, similar products, similar like daily associations. And they had a wildly different experience with the exact same content. What is that? But it's the same thing that happens with salespeople. And back to like the thoughts between doors. If you come off a door and you're like, oh, it's hot, even that it's not negative but oh, it's really hot. And oh man, this is kind of a hard day. Or like, oh, I hope I get one today. Even those, like, I don't think most people are walking around in their head saying, you suck, Ward. You <laughs> freaking suck. Go back to sports chalet. I think most people are like, dude, I don't want to get a zero today. Right? Like just yes. that. Yes. And then you have the other people that are like, okay, still got time. Um, or, or yeah, at least I was inside the house. Man, it was hot out here. Good thing I got inside a door. Or I better get inside or else I'm going to sunburn. Even those <laughs> kinds of thoughts yes. lead to dramatically different places. It 100%. changes. It changes your, the things you notice that a customer says. It changes your reaction to them. It ch you end up saying things that you're like, wow, I never say that. Why did I say Because you're tuned differently. Yes. Right? Yes. And I think to that, to that exact thing, like the, the number one advice that I, I would want to give myself back when I was, when I was selling any time in my first five years selling and what would be Ben, give yourself a kick in the rest. 
That's the number one thing you can do to achieve to achieve. Cause again, the easy part is learning the skills. That's minimum standard. You just got to start. You just got to work your guts out to learn those things. Yeah. That's just, you just gotta, that's just part of what you need to do. You need to be memorizing, you know, memorizing, like how are you, your door approach and understanding what you want to see. You need to be memorizing what when somebody says this, this is kind of what I'm going to say. And then you kind of make it your own, but like all those things you got to do, but you got to give yourself a kick in the RAS and the RAS. We, a lot of you guys know this, but it's just the reticular activating system which we all have. It's a, it's a tiny little part of our, our brain in the back of the brain. It's the filter of our focus. It's what helps us to focus on what it is. So when giving yourself a kick on in the rest just means, you know, you got to give yourself a kick in the booty too. like get out there and work, but giving yourself a kick right there. It's a, uh, in the back of the brain that filters your focus it, and you give yourself a kick in the rest by telling yourself exactly what you want and getting emotional behind why you want it and, and giving enough leverage to, between why that even matters. You say you want that goal. What does that do for you? You get that. What does that bring into your life? And that's why clearly written goals are so powerful because that's, that's what it actually takes to get your, get your brain engaged to, to where you, you, when you tell yourself exactly what you want and you give that kick where it's like, boom, very clarity, extreme clarity on what you want, then all of a sudden your eyes will start seeing things that will help you get what you want. Right. Your ears will start hearing things that will help you get what you want. Your, your, your brain will start thinking things that will help you get what you want. Your heart will start feeling things that will help you get what you want. Your, your arms and your legs will start, you know, your arms will reach toward things, your legs will move toward things that will help you get what you want. Mm-hmm. You gotta give yourself a kick in the freaking rest. Yeah. And that's, that's part of that is like, okay, it's what you're saying, Ty. What are we, what, what are we thinking about? in between doors, it actually really matters. And what are you telling yourself? What are you allowing in? And it's almost, you want to, you want to stand guard like Jim Rohn talks about all the time. You got to stand guard at the door of your mind. Mm -hmm. And Tony Robbins, you know, Jim Rohn was Tony Robbins mentor. And they, they, they talk about all those stuff. And it's almost like you want to hire a bodyguard and put him at the door of your mind and not let thoughts in that don't serve you, especially on the doors. It's the killer. Your thoughts will kill you. And if you put if you inoculate, you, you put em, empowering thoughts into your brain and get yourself to go out there. The, the easy part is getting your legs to move. Mm-hmm. The hard part is getting, your, getting yourself into action to, to like get out of the car and like to, you know, like to get, to get, take that leap in and, yeah. and, and then put knuckle the door. And it's, it's interesting. The reticular activating system is so interesting to me because now there's more studies on it and you can kind of like people understand the, Oh yeah, I'm thinking of buying a red car. I see red cars. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. type thing. Yeah. But Something personal for me, it's, it's kind of a test of engagement, right? Because when you start doing a direct sales job, somehow you and I have read all the same books and talked to all the same people. How does that happen? But well, we're tuned to the same frequency. So, yes. you know, the Jim Rohns and the Tony Robbins and the Brian Tracy's and the Seth Godin's and the Simon Sinek's and all the people that you talk about in your book. It's, it's like, yeah, every like person that fully immerses themselves finds the same content. But I think about this with like anything that you're interested in. So if you're, if you're in sales and you're not finding that stuff, I would first question your engagement. How engaged are you? Probably not engaged if you're not finding that stuff. Yeah. Well, and now with technology and algorithms, it finds you. It finds you. So like, yeah, like back in the day, I used to have to say, what books are you reading? Oh, the psychology of selling. That's good. How do I get it? And then you would burn a CD for me or I would buy it at Kinko's, (laughs) like in the little success section. Yeah. But, but. The interesting thing is, so I started surfing a handful of years ago. I got really obsessed with surfing. And when I first started surfing, I didn't know what size board to get. I didn't know what brands to get. I didn't know what other people were riding. This morning I went out with a group 
And as I'm sitting in a lineup of strangers, I can look left or they're all white surfboards, right? Like, but I know exactly what model they're riding. Oftentimes I'll know when it came out, what size it was, what fins they're running. <laughs> I can look at a leash and be like, oh, that's the new like tangle free leash. I can look at a wetsuit and I'm like, hey, that's the one that doesn't have the liner. And I don't know where I learned all that other than the fact that once I immersed myself in it, I started to reprogram my brain. You've tuned into that frequency yeah. of that thing. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's the type of thing where if we pull up to go surfing and you pull a board out of the car, I can be like, nah, that's the wrong board for him, which is crazy because I knew zero about it a handful of years ago. Yes, right? yes. And so I think with, with that, like part of it is, yes, you have to like program your mind and brain, but like I, I worry that sales, and maybe I'm going to sound like an old guy here, just warning <laughs> to you kids born after the year of like 1992. I sound like an old guy here. But I don't see people like devouring content like the original sellers used to. Maybe it's because it's easier to find and things like that. But I remember like in the early summer sales days in those rented apartments, if you walked into any group of fours apartment, the training manual would be laid out on the floor. The old DVDs would be sitting in the DVD player. People would be reading books and they were just voraciously, see whether they were successful or not, they were looking for it, Right. Now, a lot of times I'll like go and I'm like, hey, what are you reading? And like, yeah, I, you know, I listen to podcasts or I watch YouTube, but they're not like fully immersing themselves. And maybe it's because content is more surface level. It's 30 second hits and it's not like you have to search it out and seek it out. But there really does, in order to find success, you really have to reprogram your brain. And you have to immerse. You have to and immerse. I, I think, Ty, I think that's a call out to anybody listening right now. Yeah. If you're not devouring and what are you filling your mind with this morning specific that relates to what you're going to be doing yeah. this afternoon? Yeah. That's a, such a secret. Whatever it is that you're, that you're going to be working on today, if you're out knocking doors and maybe you're struggling with a certain part, maybe you're struggling in the home, getting doing any sort of the walkthrough. What are you filling your mind with and immersing yourself to help you with that specific skill set? And that's a call out to anybody. If you're not doing that, what an opportunity right in front of you today that you can take and tangibly do immediately. Yeah. And if I think it's a call out brother, because if you're not doing that, you're, you're falling short. You're not, you're, you're missing an opportunity right in front of your face. Well, and you're also missing, there's a lot of like universe, I'll call it like universe help. Like everything I know about surfing, I didn't consciously learn. Some of it I took in subconsciously. Some of it, like my, I just tuned my brain to it and then it kind of does its thing, right? Like a lot of the principles of selling, I don't remember like sitting down and hammering out. Some of them I really have, but a lot of them it's like, I know how to overcome objections. You know how to overcome objections, partly because yes, I invested in reading and learning and discussing, but once you tune yourself to that frequency, you pick up things subconsciously. And then while you sleep, your brain gets better. And what you, you just sort of notice that your thoughts are all of a sudden better. And, and but, I think, so I, like, I don't want to cut you off, but that's yeah. exactly, that's Ty giving himself a kick in the rest mm -hmm. saying, hey, I want to get better at surfing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you, while, you're, while you're sleeping, you're thinking about it. Yeah. And your brain goes to work for you. Yeah. But it, the key is getting very clear on what you want. Yes. And maybe you don't want to surf. Maybe that's not a thing for you. Maybe you want to become an extremely good chess player at night at fun with, for fun with your son. Like mm -hmm. me, my son and I, we play chess every night. Mm -hmm. And it's awesome. But like, I want to get, like he's starting to beat me. So I got I to gotta beat, I got to like get better. Yeah. Like, so like, but it, whatever it is for you. Now, specific here at Sunrun, right? Like yeah. if you're knocking doors and if you want to take your results to the next level, what is that next level? What does it look like? 
get very clear on what you want. Allow your brain to work for you. Give yourself a kick in the rest. And then what Ty, what you're saying, man, like with surfing, you just, all of a sudden you just start, you, you didn't necessarily go out and research right. with the leash. You didn't research right. the boards to like, right. but, but you're tuned into that frequency. You're all in, you know, you're, 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 you've jumped in because you made a decision. You gave yourself a kick right there right. in the head. That I want to get better at surfing. That sounds fun. That's what I want to do. And now look at where you're at. Yeah. And then what happens too? so say easy correlation with selling, I want to get better at selling. I actually want to do it. Okay. You go out, if you actually commit to it and you listen to something every day, you set your little routines. I'm going to, you know, one of the things I do, I read something about the industry every single morning before my feet touch the ground in the morning. I read about the industry. I like to know what's going on. I like to know what new things are coming out. That's awesome. Hopefully you guys are hearing that because that right there is what a, what a secret to success. Look where Ty has been able to get that's right. There's a secret right now, today, tomorrow morning, even, even right now when you're listening to this, what are you doing to tap into the industry to understand this industry? Well, and it's easy because I had a friend the other day that said to me, um, you know, hey, we do it. We're, we're, we're the industry is switching to storage, right? We're doing a lot of like backup batteries on our solar systems and things like that. And this person came to me and they were like, well, it's just it's not actually good for the environment to have a battery because it's so detrimental to mine the, the nickel and the cadmium and all that stuff. And when I heard it, I was like, that's not true. That was true 10 years ago but they have a different process and they've changed the, the composite or the composition of it. Mm-hmm. Now the battery is 85% recyclable and they're using a different composition. That's not as detrimental. And I, I remember thinking afterwards, how do I know that? Well, I read every day for 10 minutes. It just takes a second. I have a curated email that shows up. I don't have to search for it. It hits my email and I'll like read one of the things. It's very easy. Right. But the crazy thing about the reticular activating system is once you decide, okay, I'm going to be good at selling. Okay, so I'm going to spend an hour in the morning going through my accounts and then I'm going to listen or read something that will help me with selling every single day. Those are the decisions. It's actually pretty easy. You get a year or so out and your friend group is different. Like I look at like the people that I spend time with every day since I started surfing. It's different. They're yes. different people. When I look at the places that I go, when I look at the, the, the time that I spent, the adventures that I've had my life is completely different because I made a couple really small decisions. So if you can, if you can give yourself that kick that you're talking about and actually commit to doing the basic things, you actually like kind of effortlessly go on a journey. You know what Mm. I mean? It still takes effort. You still have to work at it, but you go so much farther than you ever thought possible. I mean, you're talking, we started this with a, with a summer that started with failure 20 something years ago, you never would have dreamed that you've written all these books and you've spoken to all these people and you've worked with all these different leaders and been in all these different industries all because you kind of signed up for that, right? Totally. Yeah. In fact, I, I wanted to, I, I kept quitting. So like <laughs> my first summer I ended up, it changed my life. I ended up like figuring it out and make, I made 25 grand my first summer. Two and a half times the goal. It was crazy. Yeah. It was, the, uh, I mean, I made half of as much as my dad made in a year that during that summer. And so moment of gratitude, because some of the people listening to this, they, you know, their commissions, if they made that in a the summer, they would, they, that's unfathomable. Like here, it's like, that's uh, like four deals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> totally. but that's where the industry started. That's you where we started and get it. That's where you started. That's yeah. where I started. That's yeah. where, that's where we were at. And a couple hundred bucks a sale yep. in a foreign place in a rented apartment with people you didn't know before. Boom. Missing all your friends, weddings and birthdays yep. and all that stuff to, to, to harvest. hundred percent. Yeah. So after that first summer I was done, I was like, that was so hard. It was crazy. It was amazing. I loved it. 
And then I went you know, back to school, actually went back to my old job at Sports Chalet and it just did that stuff. And then, you know, the string next, and rackets with a little bit lighter heart, though. Huh? You way got some, lighter and a new some, car. <laughs> you, got some money and you got some money to go to Chili's later, right? That's right. I, had a, I now had a black Honda Accord, which okay. is still one of my favorite cars ever. Also from the book. What's that? The black Honda Accord. Yes, it's, that's right. Yeah. I love that you read the, read the book. Yeah, man, that's really good. That's awesome. Uh, so then, I mean, I mean, if we just did a quick project, like hyperspeed from that first summer, then the next summer, I decided last minute to go out and I, I co-managed an office. Where'd you go? Um, second year was, was um, not Oceanside, but it was San, it was in San Diego. I'm trying to remember the exact town. Okay. Yeah, same uh, area. Santee's. Uh, anyway, okay. just that whole area, cl- close down that way. So I went in and I co-managed an office and we, we crushed it and it was awesome. And um, I made 50 grand that summer and it was just like, holy smokes. And then I, I dropped out again. I quit. I'm like, that was amazing. I'm done. I'm not doing this. And I was doing industrial organizational psychology. I was going to go do something in business and psychology. And, and anyways, then I ended up deciding to go out my third summer, but I recruited a team. And, and that, that next year I made a hundred grand out in the summer and it was just life changing. Then I dropped out of everything and just went full blast into sales and then I built a region at four offices and we went out to New Jersey, New York, um, and, and a, a few spots out there. And I, uh, that year I made over, I, I made 282 grand and it was just, just completely changed my life. And the next year I doubled that. And then I, then I started a company and we, and, and so I just, that the start for me was a very rocky foundation where I came from a poor family and I had nothing going for me. If you could see my skinny white legs, <laughs> like I like I'd wear shorts out there and I was so embarrassed. I just I just this <laughs> I had these skinny white legs out there selling and I was, I was just this nobody. And but I, these are some of the secrets that we're sharing. The Ty and I are sharing. Like, like it doesn't matter who you are or where you came from. Like if you decide I'm going to rise up and go be great, it's not going to happen overnight. But it will happen if you stay in pocket. And Brian Tracy, one of the, he shared with me, he looked me in the eye. And he, I asked him one time, cause I picked, so fast forward a few years, I picked him up uh, to, he was, to speak at an event um, with one of our companies. And I picked him up from the airport. We went to dinner at Ruth's Chris up in Salt Lake. And I took him to his hotel after. And, and I, as he was getting out of the car, I, I, I asked, I was like, Brian, you know, you probably get this a lot, but you know, Brian's just a guru. He's just amazing. He's written over 80 bestselling books. Yeah. One of the top speakers in the world. The single most influential person in my sales career is Brian Tracy. Bro. Like the, the foundation to my, I had like a Brian Tracy section plan for this, but let's just do it now. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like he is. And honestly, I think a lot of people in this industry, whether they know it or not, they, they owe a lot to Brian Tracy. Yes. Yeah. 100%. So and you ask him. Yeah, so I asked him, Brian, if I was your son, and you knew I was committed to success. Because you know, there's the son that you don't really, that doesn't, is not really committed to success, but like if you knew that I was gonna take what you say and just run with it, what's the best advice you would give to me as I'm here, as I'm here trying to lead a team and sell? And he looked at me, not even a split second. He said, there's two. <laughs> and I'm like all ears. I was actually looking at my car for a notepad. There wasn't one. I'm just like, okay, I gotta take massive mental notes. The first thing he said, he said, first, the first thing I tell you is don't quit. And I'm just like, all right. I've, I like, okay, like I'm in my mind. I didn't say this to him, but I'm like, all right, I've heard that before. I know that one check. I got that. I'm not going to quit. Okay. But then he kind of elaborated and he's like, listen, don't, you know, and maybe he could sense that I was just a little disappointed, <laughs> like, but he's like, listen, don't, don't underestimate the, the power of this. He said, everybody 
in the front of the line started in the back of the line. And now in life, sometimes you'll need to pivot, but it, but as you push forward and don't quit, keep buggering on like Winston Churchill, KBO, keep buggering, keep going, don't quit, stay in pocket. That's the number one thing I would share with you. And the second thing, and I'm just like, okay, like, well, that, like, and it, it, you know, now looking back, I'm going to just interject this looking back, the profound wisdom, like at the time I'm like, all right, that, okay. Tell me something I don't know. But the profound wisdom of anchoring in, staying in pocket and not quitting has been so meaningful. And and I look back at my life and there's times where I did quit. Luckily, I found myself, I pivoted quick from quitting. Like I quit, but then I was just like, maybe wasn't full all in on quitting. And like, you know, I think all, like if you're like, not, I didn't even quit with full intent. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even quit good. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, for, the, for those listening right now, think about yourself. Like how, how often are you quitting? Now, maybe, maybe the job, maybe that's one thing you're quitting on. Okay. You're thinking about, do I quit? Maybe it's on the month. Well, I've had a bad month. So I'm just gonna, maybe it's the week. Maybe it's the day. Maybe it's like before lunch, well, I'm quitting, I'm gonna go to lunch. And just as you elevate your commitment to not quitting and being excellent. And so anyways, that was the first thing he said, don't quit. The second thing he told me, we're sitting there, he looked me in the eyeball and he's like, continue to learn. He said, if you keep learning and keep growing and keep developing, and it's like, like, you know, now I'll throw in my own thoughts for a second. Like Tony Robbins, one of the favorite things he ever said was can I like constant and never ending improvement. But it's all in that same principle of like Kaizen, of just constant improvement. And what Brian told me, he said, if you don't quit and you keep learning, that will propel you into trajectories that most people are not willing or able to go. And it will lead you to the very top of your industry. And when he said that, I was like, man, that was awesome. And, and the, as I've pondered that over the years, it's had more value to me just in my, just, but the last thing I'll say on, on Brian, that he was, he was, he had his, do, his hand to the door. He was getting ready to get out of my car to go to his hotel room. And he said, I love that you asked me that. And I love it when people ask me that. Do you want to know what my mentor told me? And I'm like, yes. And he like closed the, he like kind of took his hand off the, off the door. Like he was going to stay for a minute. And and uh, he's like, my mentor, Jim Rohn, he told me, he's like the number one advice when I asked him, like, well, Jim, what's the most value? All the things you've learned, all the stuff, what's the one thing? And everyone's looking for the one thing and there's not really one thing, but he drilled it down. He's like, listen, my mentor said, the most valuable thing you can do to achieve your goals is you've got to stand guard at the door of your mind. And and that hit me so hard and it was so personal and so relevant. And, and then I've, uh, so I mean, part in my book, Pluck the Fud, one of the chapters, chapter nine is stand guard. Mm-hmm. And it's, it really is one of the most valuable secrets that you can learn. And it doesn't happen, Norton. We don't learn how to do that, like in school necessarily. We don't, you, you learn that through trial and error and picking yourself up and learning and absorbing and, and hopefully shortcutting from, from mentors who've been there before to teach you ways and skills on how do you do it. But those three things that Brian taught me have been life-changing. Don't quit, continue to learn, and stand guard at the door of your mind. Yeah, we can talk about each of those for hours, I think. Um, the thing I like about Pluck the Fud, at the, on the, before I even read it, on the front cover, you know, it has the, the picture of the dude with like, the, the stuff growing out of his head. <laughs> so if, you're not, if you don't know what it looks like, that's got to sound crazy. But 
Um, and you start the book with that quote by Wordsworth about your thoughts. Yes. And my favorite book is, this is my most recommended book and James Allen's gift to the world. But as a man thinketh is my, oh my favorite goodness. book. I read it once a year and it takes, I mean, it's 60 something pages, so it can take an hour or it could take a lifetime, whatever. But yep. he has that thing that says, you know, man's mind can be likened unto a garden and essentially says that it's going to produce something. It's either going to produce weeds or it's going to produce like the bounty of life, but it's going to produce. So my theory, you read The Alchemist, I'm assuming? Yes, love that. So they call it the universal language, right? Like that you speak the language of the universe. To me, it's that. It's, it's you know how to grow stuff, not let weeds, because the brain's going to produce, right? But there's a certain way to use it where it will produce stuff that helps you. And it's crazy to me that like you say, they don't teach it in school. I think most people never learn it. Mm. I, I don't know if they're not in a, uh, in a position to be enlightened to it. I don't know if they don't have a job that forces them to learn it or quit, but I don't think most people, I think most people, I could be totally wrong, but I think most people look at the world and think this life is hard or the world is the way that I see it. But they don't think, you know, Tony Robbins always says that, like, what if the opposite is true? What if that guy's, you talk about in the book, what if that guy's not a jerk? What if he is trying to get to a really important appointment that's going to determine like the medical health of someone he loves? Totally. What, what if that's true? And you're like, I, I guess that would change the story. Right? <laughs> and they, all, they often say like intelligence is changing your mind. It's, it's gaining more information and changing your mind. But I think the, the, the image of the stuff growing out of the head, because I wish that in like a, in like a simulation, I wish I could watch people knock doors and then maybe the new Google or the new Apple goggles will do this. But I wish I could look above their head and see just like a screen of what's going through. Oh, my goodness. Because you could tweak the program and you your ability say, hey, to mentor that person. Imagine if you could see that. Yeah. Oh, my imagine. goodness. Or I always say, imagine if you could wear your mental fitness the way you wear your physical fitness. Where it's like, I can tell if you've been doing the work in the gym. It takes a second to figure out if you've been doing the work in your brain. But imagine and maybe for people thinking about it, what would that screen show? Mm. Would it show, you know, we interview a lot of top performers and we used to always ask them like, Hey, do you have like, what do you like to listen to on the way to area? Like, how do you get in the zone? You know, athletes do that. And a really consistent thing I found among the highest performers is nothing. Mm. They want it quiet for a second. I need to like get into my zone. They don't want to hear like an Eminem song <laughs> that yeah. has stuff attached to it. it, has heaviness attached to it. It's probably, you know what I mean? And so like the motivation is going to fade in about 20 minutes. What's going to be left? You know what I mean? And so just maybe think about that. If you're listening, like what would that screen show? Would it show the argument that you had with your wife before you left and the, how you're still mad about it? Would it show, uh, you know, all of the things that you're seeing that show you why you're bad at this? Would it show what you'd like to say to that guy or what you'd like to do? Or would it show, hmm, all right, I'm getting better. I used to, I used to get shut down immediately. I'm getting better. Most people can't even find that thought because there's, you know, the stat about the, the millions of things that your brain's taking in at once, but the 40 things that it can process. Yeah. Selecting the right 40 things. Mm. Right. Because I could look for a lot of evidence that says I'm a total loser and that people don't actually love me. I could find it. It's not hard to find. But can I find the evidence that it's like, no, man, you got kids that think you're the greatest. OK, what thing am I going to focus on? the one person a lot of years ago that maybe told me something counter to that or the fact that my kids give me a hug every morning. Where are you <laughs> going to focus? Because it will completely change your life. It totally. You know? It reminds me of a story when um, back in the day with my partner, uh, one of my partners, he, I, I just got, we just opened Florida. We had some offices out there and I came back and I'd been traveling for a few months. I brought my wife out there, my little baby, my little girl. And 
and I got home and, it, and our business, this was, a, 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 now this was 10 years after I, um, I started knocking doors. I, st- I started a business and did some stuff there. And I, anyways, I came back, my, my, my partner looks me in the eyes like, Ben, what do you want? And, and I was kind of in a negative headspace. I was just kind of fried. I was tired. And I was just like, I'm like, okay, I don't want to keep traveling. And I don't want to miss our sales benchmarks. I don't want to, I don't want to miss our numbers. And I don't want to cut me off. <laughs> like, and he's like, Ben, do you hear yourself? Like, I told you, I asked you, like, what do you want? Like, you're, you're, you're telling me all the things you don't want. And, and I, it, like, I was pretty pissed, dude. I'm like, what, dude, you're calling me out on this? And, like, he called me out pretty hard. And, and, and I couldn't hear myself, like, you know, yeah. and I'm just in the moment. And one of the things that I, that I think is so natural, at least for me, that I've had to fight is, uh, uh, so, like, in my book, in chapter two, I talk about don't fertilize the FUD. And so, like, giving, like, fertilizer, what does fertilizer do? It gives it helps something to grow, helps it, gives it nutrients. So it, so it grows stronger and faster. And, you know, what I learned is that naturally, normally my brain was, was, was like fertilizing what I don't want. Ben, what do you want? I don't want this. I don't want that. And I would fixate and focus. And it's like the fixation error, which when you fixate on what you don't want, you land yourself directly to it, what you don't want. It's like, I don't want to hit the curb. I don't want to hit the curb. I don't want to hit the curb. And then whammo, you run straight into the curb. And so it is what, it's, got, what you're, it's a lot of what you're, what you're talking about there. And like, but but the, the habit, if you find yourself fertilizing your fear, giving energy to it, giving nutrients to the things that you fear, you got you to gotta eject yourself out of that. And I learned for myself, that's something I struggle with. I have to like keep, that's part of why, it's like, you know, fill in your brain and intentionally with things that serve you so that the world around you doesn't fill it with things that don't serve you. Yeah. And I, maybe some people are more, you know, predisposed to it, but I would even take issue with the fact that maybe you say I struggle with it because it's like, that's like saying, man, I struggle gaining weight when I eat cake. It's like, <laughs> well, you're this thing called human and there's biology <laughs> and that's how it works. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But I think most people's brains do that. It's going to default to the path of least resistance. And the easiest thing seems to be negative, right? And not, not inherently negative, but like, like I've done this exercise before where, um, with salespeople where it's like, okay, if you're in a scenario, say you're riding in the car with somebody and you don't say anything and, and a lot of time passes and it starts to get awkward and somebody needs to break the silence. (laughs) I notice that generally the thing that breaks the silence is going to be negative. Not, not overly negative, but they'll say something like Dude, traffic or mm. it's really hot or I hate this song. Right. But very few people, um, I have a friend, he works here, Jason Allen. Do you know Jason? Yeah, dude, I love Jason. I, I don't know he works here. Yeah. Part of the reason you love Jason is because he's one of the few humans that defaults positive. It's yeah, a, he's, he's so positive. He's very rare, but it's like, so I've told the story before on this podcast, we were out surfing once and, uh, it was a terrible day. Like and I'm not just being negative. It actually was, it was very choppy. It was really windy. It was dark and kind of rainy. And we had sat out there for a little bit together and I no no conversation had been said for a while. And I was just about to say, dude, it's super choppy out here. Not, I hate this place, just <laughs> super choppy. And before I could speak, he said, dude, such a beautiful day. Oh, man, and I was like, holy start. crap, you default positive. <laughs> I was like, there's not many of your kind. It's like finding that like really rare blood type, you oh, know? Man, yeah. But I think you have to, 
I think it's something that the brain does. I think it's part of like protecting us somehow of like, you know, most of our, our brain's designed to keep us alive, not to help us necessarily prosper. You have to like train it to make you prosper. Right. And so I think for some reason that's what happens where it's like people, when they get rejected, they don't think it's a good opportunity for me to learn. That's hard. That's against the grain. They think, Oh man, that was rough. And it's not overly negative, but even saying that was rough versus, man, I wonder what's, I wonder if that guy just got bad news. And that really changes the way you live. I love you it. Know? Yeah. And that's such, it's a skill Jim Rohn talked about a lot about turning frustration into fascination. Yeah. It really is a skill. Yeah. It, it's a something you just constantly, and by the way, if you're listening, I challenge you right now today, what some, what's frustrating in your life that you can turn into fascination? Just like a quick example of like sitting in traffic. So in California, Southern California here, we get a lot of traffic and sometimes it's like extra traffic and it's like really frustrating. And rather than defaulting, oh man, I'm going to be late and oh, what in the heck, try hacking your brain and being like turning that frustration into fascination. I wonder, like, this is what it looks like. I wonder what's happening up there. Man, I wonder if everything's okay. Man, I wonder if, man, I hope somebody's not like hurt super bad, like from, from this, obviously there's an accident. Like there's, I'm seeing, you know, police things way up there or whatever. And just what, like turn it into fascination. And, and also that, that shifts into gratitude. Like, man, I'm actually really grateful that I'm here comfy in my car, even though I'm stopped on the freeway or super slow. I'm like, I have the air conditioning on and you know, I got music or I have a book I'm listening to. And, and you can turn that frustration into fascination on I wonder what's going on up there. And I wonder if some, if some family just received news that's going to change their life forever. And here I am pretty comfortable in my car. I could text somebody that I'm running late with mm-hmm. and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really powerful thought, man. I think, uh, I think a lot of the, the, the skills that you discuss in your, like in your leadership processes, but especially in the book, I mean, that's kind of like the template that I have for it. It literally is, it's not how to be successful in door to door sales. It's not how to be successful in leadership. It's, it's kind of like how to take control a little mm-hmm. bit, how to have the life that you want to have. Right. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people just think, you know, think about this, like somebody that you maybe don't like, and for listeners, think about this. Some of you don't like, why don't you like them? And a lot of times you'll say stuff like, oh, they just think that everyone loves them. I was like, do they really think that? Or like, whatever, right? Or, or they only wear that to get attention. Okay, so first thing that I notice is that you're so certain, right? <laughs> like you're so certain. And because you're certain that generated feelings. What if they're wearing that because it was a gift from somebody and they don't really even like it, but they know that it makes that person happy. And frankly, they feel kind of uncomfortable in it. Wouldn't that change the way you feel about it? But we walk around so certain all the time, like, oh, that guy, he just thinks he's so awesome. And I don't like him because of that. And it's like, what if you could see in his breath and in his head and he was really insecure? Wouldn't you love him a little? You know it's, what I mean? It's so easy like, to make assumptions. I know. On, it's crazy. On, absolutely. But with selling and stuff like that, right? Like I, I do think that salespeople, especially direct sellers where you're interrupting somebody's day and you're entering their universe, as you put it, you have an opportunity. It's, it, you have an opportunity to, to turbocharge your learning because we direct sellers deal in a week of like deliberate work with more rejection than most career people ever deal with. Absolutely. Because they don't put themselves, like those scenarios don't exist like that. You're putting that, yourself right? out there a thousand times a day. That's right. And and success looks like getting one person 
to, to like engage with you, right? Like that means failure. It's like Babe Ruth missed so many, That's you know, right. it's the same principle. Yeah. He struck out a ton of times, but you know, he popped, popped him over the fence a bunch. Yeah. You know? Well, and it's like when you look at Jeter, like Jeter has the all time hits record and that seems so amazing, but then you like, also has the most at bats. So that's a little demystifying right. there. Yeah. And then he also has the most time and he has the most games played and you're like, Oh, it makes sense. Like these people that we look at that are hyper successful. If you could break down the steps, they're actually like followable, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not some magic thing that, yeah, he's got that lot in life. You know what I mean? And I think that's like the duplicatable, the followable thing. That's so one other thing, uh, Brian, um, I was, uh, we brought him to a mastermind, a different event. And he came into a cabin with us and I'll never forget something he told me. Um, he, he's like, listen, the problem in the sales industry is that it's that people that are good at sales are the ones that get promoted into leadership roles. A hundred percent. Yeah. And he's like, it's a problem because like what, what got them into that position was that they're good at sales, but then they struggle like crazy trying to lead a team. And he said, anybody that's able to solve for that is going to create a massive contribution to the world. Mm-hmm. And it hit me so hard when he said, this was like 15 years ago. And it, it like hit me so hard because he was talking directly to me. I'm like, I was a high performing sales guy yeah. that was now a sales leader, yeah. struggling to lead a team. And I've, since that day, I've spent 15 years obsessing on how do you help duplicate results? How do you get somebody who's high performer at sales you know, first starting with me, how do I duplicate my results? And then how do I now, now what I do is I, I mentor sales leaders and I help, I help high performing salespeople transition successfully into leadership. Mm-hmm. And I've spent 15 years doing this. And you know, Brian wrote the forward of my first book, yeah. Sellership. And because of this conversation we had 15 years ago and I, and I've, I created this, I, I, I cracked the code. I created a system and I have a blueprint. I have a sales leadership masterclass where I teach high performers how to successfully transition into leadership in eight weeks with seven massive strategy steps that are duplicatable. And like it's game changing to help high performers be able to also lead others and duplicate their results. Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to someone about this the other day, but an equivalent would be like, take like the best surgeon like say they're like a highly, highly accomplished brain surgeon. And they're like, you're really good at surgery. You should run the hospital. It's, it's not even <laughs> it's similar. Totally. Right? And so it's like with selling, it's like, yeah, you have the connection and you have the ability to hopefully like show repeatable success, but leading people and selling stuff are barely similar. Totally. Right. Like, totally. and I do think, but I also do think it's one of the most virtuous endeavors you can pursue. Like if you're, if you're a high performer at some point, you're, I believe you're going to lack fulfillment if you don't start investing that in other people. You'll get to a point where it's like, how many trips can you go on and how many competitions can you win and how many, and it's all great and it's all good and it's fun and it's, it's exciting. And as a company, we love it. But if you've done it for 10 years and you've had the thought of "Eh, maybe money doesn't matter, right? Or maybe, maybe I'll, maybe, maybe I'll go do something else. You know what I mean? It's generally because, you know, it's like I, I felt a little that way. And then I started having kids and I'm like, wow, okay. Life is completely different. <laughs> right. Like, but it's like when you don't put it into perspective right there. Yeah. Kids, it's like, absolutely. okay, now I'm busy for the next 20 years. I figured out the next challenge. This dad thing is crazy complicated and it's hard. And it's a whole trajectory I wasn't on before I had kids. Before I had kids, I'd look at like your kids and be like, he needs to discipline his kids. He needs to. <laughs> and then I had them and I'm like, 
he needs a hug. <laughs> that guy, you know what I mean? But it's like that, that pursuit of saying, okay, I've figured this out. There are very few coaches that were all-star players and the ones that can do both are extremely rare. Right. But it's such a virtuous pursuit because it'll one, it'll provide for anybody attached to you for the rest of your life. Anybody that has that skill that can basically like create business out of nothing and then reproduce it in other people. I mean, that, that has to be one of the most valuable skills. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, talk to me for a second about, um, if you don't mind, how some of these, um, you know, development and, and, and leadership skills have helped you navigate the last couple of years of your personal life um, with your health and things like that, if you don't mind talking about it. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thanks for, for asking. So um, the last... Jeez, eight, 18 months or so I've, I've been battling melanoma skin cancer skinny yeah. white legs skinny white, skinny legs. white <laughs> it's the white legs man i should have That's protected from is. the sun better your next book needs to be called skinny white legs <laughs> <laughs> or your next rap album whichever oh yeah. man that's awesome we'll start with the rap album and okay. turn it into yeah, a book. See how <laughs> oh wow thank you so yeah it's, it's hit me deeply personal now i'm, I'm in a uh, point in my career my life where where I'm, I'm mentoring others and I'm teaching others how to succeed in, in sales and in leadership. And it's been very humbling this last couple of years to the last 18 months to, to have to apply the things that I teach in a much like more personal and deeper way than I've ever personally had to apply them. And so it's, it's very ironic that I, I, I was writing Pluck the Fud. I've, I've spent the last five years writing Pluck the Fud on the side at night, early mornings. I just had this passion project to just get out because I had this, this idea and this message to help people how to overcome fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So now I'm, I'm staring down the barrel of my life. Of fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Of like, there's no promise that I'm, you know, so the, the melanoma spread all throughout my, it spread through my lymph nodes. And if you know anything about, I didn't know anything about what lymph nodes were, but it was just like the super, it's like the super highway of the body that just spread, spreads blood and oxygen. It just spreads things. And so it got into my lymph nodes. And then we had some success where we got them out. And then three months later, it was back with a vengeance. And it went from zero again to hero. And I was, it was headed into my lungs, my liver. It was just, it was pretty scary. And, you know, it was harder for my wife I've been married 18 years. My wife, Sherry, she's amazing. It was harder for her. Well, and you have three kids. Three kids. They're how old? Yeah, so 14. Uh, Miley's 14. McKay's, uh, uh, McKay's 10 and Emery's 8. So two girls and one boy. And so for my, my family, it, 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 was ex- it was really eye-opening. And like, wait a minute. It was, a, it was, a, it was very challenging. And for me personally, um, having to apply the things that I teach about, about like pluck the FUD. I had no idea when I was writing pluck the FUD that I would actually have to pluck cancer FUD out of my body. And, and the connection of how interconnected that, it, like, you know, something physical is with your brain. And so having to apply those principles that I teach, I, I teach the fearless formula in, in my book. And there's some, there's like eight master principles on how do you actually tangibly get rid of fear when it comes to your brain. And, and uncertainty and the doubt. Like, who am I to be able to succeed? Like, what do you do to get rid of those things and those tools in there? Well, and cancer is real because it's like, it's one thing if it's like, hey, you got to think differently because the the stakes aren't all that high. Like, day to day. Like, over a lifetime, yeah. But when it's, I'd imagine when it's your health and you're looking at your children, you're looking at your wife, it's like, I mean, 
check me here, but it's like, okay, there's actually science and I actually don't know. And I want to be positive, but there's a reality here and this is in my lymph nodes and it's serious. So where do I get on and off the bus here? Mm-hmm. Like where, where do I say, okay, I'm going to relent. I'm going to beat this and we're going to do it. Or do I take a different approach? Like I can't imagine the internal mental struggle finding your way. You know? it, it's real. And I, I want to just, I want to say this. I'm getting, I would honestly get a little emotional just thinking about what I'm going to say right now. You listening to this right now, the skills that you're honing by getting yourself to, to get up, get out, go out there and go work where there's no promise for that work producing any result. It's like the greatest salesman in the world. One of my favorite quotes is his augmentino. He says, happiness may not be the fruit plucked by my action, but without action, all fruit dies on the vine. And, and that was, by the way, that was one of the things I memorized on a, on a card when I was out there and, and, and that just like helped serve me. But like those skills that you're learning and applying to get yourself to, in the face of fear, to take action, which is the hardest thing on the planet. The easy thing is learning the skills we talked about. The hard part is guarding your mind. And so that same skill set that I had to hone has helped me so profoundly in my battle with cancer because there's moments where I'm gripped with fear because the the last news we got is not good and there's it's like flip a coin if if I'm going to live and so the skills I'm so grateful to have learned some of the skills of navigating the uncertainty the real doubt the there's no promise for success in the coming days with my health but it's the same thing on the doors there's no promise regardless of success in the past yesterday or like today when you go out there's no guarantee for success and i think those that that, that actually really helped me because to 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 sort of win the mental game now i wasn't always winning the mental game i'll be honest like there there was moments where i was pretty it was pretty dark for me well and the hard part is too is like knowing what game you're essentially playing mm. right because again there's no there's no formula for how to handle that yeah right and every situation is so different and you know you don't want to be just the blind optimist that's totally ignorant totally and you also don't want to be the one that's making it worse and so yeah man i respect the struggle i didn't know you very well when you're going through it and you know the news you shared with me most recently was good news (laughs) holy smokes we'll fast forward right to it so i'm i'm officially in remission and they call it NED, no evidence of disease. And we, we attacked it hard with immunotherapy, which is a brand new miracle drug that's just been around the last few years and, and uh, officially where it's sanctioned by the United States. It's not, it's not available a lot of places in the world right now, but it's melanoma-specific uh, skin cancer where they have this immunotherapy. And it's kind of a twin brother to chemo. Chemo kills all your cells. Immunotherapy is this miracle new revel, revolu, revelation. It's this new miracle drug that kills only the bad cells and it doesn't work for everybody, but it worked for, for me. And it's just, it's been my, my family and I are just, just so grateful. And so what, right now it's, I'm not out of the woods every three months. I'll do scans and I'll be doing that, but it'll take about five years to sort of be out of the woods. Mm. Well, congratulations, man. That's uh, when I got that text from you, I was like really relieved. Like it's one of those things where it's always personal. Anytime anyone's in the same like space and has a family where it's like, 
you know, and again, for me, it's like, I want to believe for you, but at the same time, it's like, people don't know how to handle that. You know, I, I bet you have a lot of evidence of that, of like people like not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. I bet some things they told you were helpful. Some things you probably had to see the intention that they meant to say, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like probably just puts you in a whole different place. But that said, seeing that the outcome has been positive so far, I always look at it like, imagine how many people you can help now, right? Like, absolutely. Think about that. Like you had this experience and I think most experiences are so that you can help people navigate through them. I agree a hundred percent. And I think it's powerful to look for the gift in, in, um, so like the whole concept of more, more fati, like, you know, love what is, and that's something that I teach and, and, you know, it's out there in the world that you guys have all heard this, this, this principles, but I, I try to teach my kids. Maybe I, I'm not going to go off on this cause I think we're probably going to close up here in a minute, but I, I'll share a, a, another story. Uh, I try to teach my kids to look for the gift in like challenging situations. And I remember my son McKay, he had a roadblock Roblox account and he'd been building it up and pouring all of his money into it. And uh, he, it got hacked and it was so demoralizing. He's like six months of build up and he's just all excited. He had this thing. And then and who hacks a kid's who, Roblox I mean, account? Come on, come on right? bro. Like, dude, it was so, he was so demoralized. It was the, the most crushed I've ever seen him in my life. Yeah, that's actual theft. That's like, theft. I know it's in the virtual world, but that's actual theft. You yeah. Know? I mean, he poured, I mean, over a hundred dollars that he had earned over that, over that six month period. He's a young kid. He's like, yeah. at the time he was nine, he's now 10, but he, anyways, he, and I, I couldn't console him. And so I went into his room like two hours later, like he was with us. We were like, Hey bud, just go, just go, you know, go in your room and just try to relax. And he was up there and he, I went up there and he was still crying. It was just like, hit him at the gut. He'd never experienced anything that wrenching. And I'm like, okay. And I was trying to like figure out how to parent how to be like a good dad. And I'm like, McKay, you know, and we talk about where's the gift, like finding the gift. So in, just in general in our lives. So I've already taught him that principle. And anyway, so I said, McKay, do you, can you, can you see the gift in this situation? And he looked at me and he's just like, like lightning bolts <laughs> to me. Like he could kill me. He's like, yeah, right. dad, too soon. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. So I backed off and, and uh, two weeks later, we uh, a couple weeks later, I, um, a neighbor came pounding on our door and was was like frantic. And I, I my office is right there by the front by the front of our house. And, and I so I went in there and my neighbor's like, you're you're flooding like crazy. And I'm like panicking. So the, the side yard was flooding like a couple feet of water just gushing out. It was crazy. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And I'm not handy. I don't know like how yeah. to. And, and so um, anyways, it turns out I quickly. I saw my neighbor, Brian's truck was there. So I went and pounded on Brian's door. I'm like, Brian, I got a flood. And so he came over and and while that was happening, I was frantic. I was also trying to figure out stuff. And I was in the house and McKay was like, he, he, pulled, he like pulled me aside. He's like, dad, where's the gift in this? And I'm like, but too soon. <laughs> and I kept frantically going. Where's the gift? Oh, that's perfect, dude. Dude. He got, he got you back. He got me back hard. And, and so like that whole concept, so like I could not see the gift in the moment. There was no gift. My, my pipes were bursting. It was, was going to flood my whole house. What was going on? Like it was a pretty big threat. And, and, but what happened was I'll just like, I'll fast forward this story, but like Brian came and he's super handy. He turned off the water. He isolated where he dug up the concrete. He had a hammer, jackhammer dug up the concrete. Brian's very handy. He is very handy. He's a man. He's a fireman and he's also a contractor on the side when he's not the fireman. It was just a miracle for us. Right. Yeah. So, so he comes in, he jackhammers, it finds the pipe, goes to Lowe's, gets the pipe, fills it, fixes it. And then he, everything's good. And then he, he puts all of the new cement, mixes cement, puts the new cement. And by 10 o'clock that night, everything was back restored a hundred percent. Wow. 
And that's where I was like, whoa, there's the gift. Yeah. Like, and I could see the gift. When we're going through it, we can't often see it. Yeah. And so with the cancer, the reason why I say all of, the reason I tell you that story about McKay's Roblox hacked me and the pipes, the gift is that while I'm going through this cancer, like it's hard to see the gift when you're right there and you're going through it. Sure. But as I look back, there are so many gifts that have happened through that extreme struggle for me. My family is closer. Mm-hmm. Perspective has been deepened and strengthened and, and more clear on what's really most important. More time with my family and focusing more on my health, working on eating better, trying to exercise better, and just bringing in the fundamentals. And so what a gift. And now looking back in the lens of like, okay, I'm in remission. There's no evidence of disease. And I can, you know, I can, it could have gone the other way. And regardless of the way it swung, what a gift. Now, I, I can't say regardless of the way it swung because right now it's actually incredible news and we're just so grateful. But where we stand right now, like that whole period has been a huge, legit gift in our, in our family and in our life and in my life. Yeah, it's like the story you share about the Chinese farmer, right? Where it's like, I just don't know. Good news? Yeah, I don't know. Bad news? Good luck? Bad luck? Have you read Leadership and Self-Deception? Oh, bro, that's one of my fundamental foundational yeah. books that I just love so much. Yeah, I thought that when I said that Brian Tracy's probably outlined my like sales career, gave me that foundation. Leadership and Self-Deception was the first leadership book I ever read. So maybe it's like, Super in, and you know, as a man thinks, it was the first like thought book I ever yeah, read. But yeah. and I just like keep them. But that that concept of being in the box, yeah. right? Like, and I think that while you can't necessarily see the gift in the moment, like for for guys that are out there and maybe they're a new leader, and they had all the answers when they were the rep, yeah. and the manager never helped them. If I was running the team, I would do this, and now they're the manager, and they feel fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Right? Yep. It's really hard to see oh, this is making me stronger. And 10 years from now, I'm going to be really grateful for this time. Like you just, honestly, you can't see it. Right. Like you're in the box, right? But I found that uh, the, the skill that will help you the most isn't necessarily being able to um, identify the gift in, in, in its completion. It's simply self-diagnosing. Like that, that's why leadership and self-deception was so good for me because when you're out there and your yard's flooding, you can be like, okay, I'm affected right now. Or like you've been knocking doors from one o'clock and it's seven and you don't have a sale yet. It's not that you're a failure. You should just be able to self-diagnose and be like, okay, I'm affected. Like this day has taken its toll on me. Just like if you're running and you're at mile 20, you should be like, okay, I'm fatigued. It's not good or bad. It's just you're fatigued. And so I find like, even if you can't find the gift right now, understanding like, hey, I'm going through it. Mm. This isn't necessarily the world. This is the place that I'm in right now, right? This is the spot that I'm in. I had a situation, I've had a couple of these where, um, you know, a lot of leaders would say to me like, can I just vent to you for a second? The answer is no. <laughs> I don't do venting. You can't vent to me because it'd be like, it'd be like if you're my personal trainer and I show up to your house at 11 o'clock at night and I'm like, hey, can I just pig out on this cake with you? You'd be like, no, these things are real. It's not like you work out and then you pig out. Like, discipline and all things. Right. And so I believe that venting is a similar to binging on the cake, but sometimes they'll, they'll come and they'll, they'll, they'll vent and they'll be like, Oh, this, 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 this. And so I try even in my home with my wife to not vent because it's not going to help me. And so even in that most intimate relationship, right, where I could, she's, I've made some deposits. I've made a lot of withdrawals, but I've made some deposits there. If I can vent to anybody in the world, it's Stacy, right? 
But I've noticed that in the times where it's the very hardest to just say, today is, this is a really hard chapter that I'm in. Mm. I'm here, my brain's telling me all these things that, ah, it's hard. It's not, this sucks and I don't know if I can make it. It's, okay, this is hard, right? It's it's self-diagnosing. I'm in the box right now. I'm short with people. I'm frustrated with the people that I work with. Even being able to diagnose it, right? Because then you get a couple of weeks out and you're like, yeah, last week I was crazy. I was a different person talking back then. But I would just say to like people, don't let yourself draw the conclusion. It's the conclusion that nails you. Interesting. It's, it's, it's you can say, man, I've given a lot of pitches today and haven't sold one yet. You can do that. What you can't say is I suck at selling because that conclusion will damn you. That will stop you, right? Or I, love that. I guess I'm just a sucky leader. Yeah. I guess just people don't like me. No, no. You can say I'm having a hard time connecting with the team. That's actually a question. It's going to lead you to an answer, right? But I've, I've, I've found that where people get in trouble is they draw the conclusion because once they draw the conclusion, that person must hate me. And it I leads must, you to a really slippery slope. Then it changes your reality. Yep. And your reality is probably not true. Like I, I was talking to someone just last week where they were saying like, oh, well, this happened and it frustrated me and this happened and it frustrated me and this happened. And I was upset about that. I'm like, great. Then they drew a conclusion. This leader must not like me. Stop. That's insane. Right. But you, you, you link yourself to that. And so it's like if you could just somehow pause and be like, yeah, I'm feeling kind of bummed because this happened and I got frustrated. But it's for some, and I don't know how to do it. Maybe you can take this idea and work it out for me. But yeah. like, it's once you draw the conclusion, I guess my body just doesn't fight cancer. Stop. That's not true. <laughs> you can say today's a hard day. Man, I'm feeling less energy than I usually feel. But then it's somehow being able to be like, okay, I wonder if there's something I can do to feel more energy versus I guess life is just this way now. That That's like the fork in the road. You know what I mean? It's so tricky, our, our narratives that we give and what we latch onto. I love those distinctions. I think that's good. One, a couple of thoughts on just venting. If, you know, because it's pretty hard. You're a pretty hardcore stance on that. And I respect that. I love that. No venting, full stop. I believe in release. I don't believe in, I don't believe in, in, in inefficient vomit. I love it. Right. I love it. I, I think there's two things that come to my mind just as tools for the, for the listeners uh, that, and I think it would be a whole conversation that you should give some time to, to your, to, to those who are listening on like, how do you break that down to give, to equip them to be able to follow that? Cause that's yeah. because most people find themselves venting. So here's the thing. One, it like, make sure you're vent up. Like, like if you're going to vent, vent up, don't vent down. When you vent down to people on your team or vent, down to like your kids or you vent down. If you vent down, it's like taking a grenade, holding the, holding it in your hand, pulling the pen and throwing it at your own feet. Yeah. And it blows up your influence, your, your ability to lead your team. Stop it. Yeah. Like, don't do that. Yeah. If you have to vent to Ty, be like, Ty, listen, I know you don't vent, but warning, (laughs) (laughs) warning, be like, vent. I like Ty, listen, I know you don't accept venting. I got something help me change my narrative on this. Well, that's not venting. Right. That's not venting. But it's a, that release. Yeah, okay, venting t- is, venting is, dude, this sucks. Everything sucks. It's not going to work. I know you're just selling me on this. Venting is not true. So Boom, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I so it. I, I want to challenge the idea here because say, for example, say I didn't, but say I had a, a hard night with my wife last night. Say I was out for my sellers out there. I was out working hard. I'm trying to hit a goal. My wife feels like she's working hard at home trying to uphold the family. She doesn't care if we make extra money. The kids would like to see their dad. 
All right, so that's her reality. My reality is I'm trying to provide the kids this life, right? So I come home, she's on one. This didn't happen. I know it sounds like it actually did. I'm telling you it didn't, but it has. Um, so say I come home and she's on one and we just have a terrible fight. And then I come to you today and I'm like, bro, can I just vent to you? Like homies, can I just like vent to you for a little bit? My wife is selfish. Mm. My wife thinks that I only care about myself. My wife doesn't appreciate me. So the hard part is when I say that, my brain can't, my brain won't say, Ty, you're being hard on yourself. And now it becomes a it's reality. True. It's yes. true. So it's the same thing with the grenade, but it's like, okay, so now subconsciously, my wife is selfish and ungrateful. Mm. And now you've expressed that to another So now, I've, now it's freaking true. So now not only do I feel bad about what happened last night, I've created a wall that's going to hinder my progress and detract from my happiness. And so how can I deal with that? Because if you're a good friend, what are you going to do? You're going to say, Hey bro. Cause I'm obviously in a, in an emotional state, right? So probably telling me that I'm being unreasonable. I might be like, okay, I knew I couldn't talk to you. I need to talk to somebody else. <laughs> yep. Right. But how do you do the thing and how do we do it in our own brains? Cause what would you actually say there? You know, my wife, you know, she's not selfish. You know that she's not ungrateful, but here I am venting yes. that that's true. But if I were to say to you, the skill, dude, I had a rough night last night. It was just hard, man. Stacy's mad at me. It was, it was, it was rough. I'm, I'm bummed out. That's totally okay. And I'm coming to you and I, you can actually do something with that. Okay. That distinction is super valuable. Right. I think one is we're just having this conversation like that, that gives clarity to me yeah. that I, I would full stamp support what you're yeah. saying of that hard line. Yeah. So I think clarifying to like, so as we lead our teams, when we have leaders, like there, there is a place where things aren't working, working well and you have 100%. to be able to go, but that's also what I'm saying. Don't. So in that scenario, even in a healthy way, don't vent. If, if we're using vent, 100%. don't vent down, 100%. then up. And here's one tool. Give the, create this as a cult piece of culture. And on, on, if you're listening, if you're leading a team, like with your team, allow the keys to the BMW, <laughs> the, the belly, belly moan. There's another word that we could use there. The, the moaning, and whining like if somebody's frustrated and they need and they and you're the leader and they're venting up or they're they're like they need a they're like struggling you can say listen do you like sounds like you know it sounds like let me give you the keys to the bmw but you've got them for three minutes and at three minutes it's a hard stop mm -hmm. and so like here's the keys i'm giving it to you like toss them over the keys if it's virtual you know yeah. just hey you got the keys and I'm, the timer's on you got three minutes say whatever you feel like you need yeah. to say get it out and then, and then, but you, you, you do this in advance. You set a culture where this is, there's an expectation of this. So you don't, you don't want to set this rule in the moment because they're emotional. But if you set a culture where, Hey, listen, we don't vent, we don't, we don't complain. We don't, you know, if there's a, something constructive, yes, come talk to me. But yeah. if it's like a, this whining, complaining thing, like, well, there's no place for that. But if you need to come talk to me and it's going to be a situation where, where it's like, you know, borderline, like just negativity, like, come to me. I want to hear you. I'll give you the keys to the BMW for a, for a three minute period. And then after that, boom, it's like yeah. hard stop. Just one tool that I found has been, has been effective in those scenarios. Yeah. Really helpful. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still working it out, but I believe like, again, for someone that's, and I think it goes back to fascination because if you're curious, I have all the time in the world for you. If it's like, dude, I'm, if it's a victim. You're a victim to this. No, and it's you're, when you're certain. That's when it's hard. It's when you're certain. Cause hmm. if it's like, if you come to me and you're like, my wife is this. That's the easiest. But people do it with the people they're leading all the time. Like, dude, this guy, he's this driving me freaking crazy. Yeah. He's entitled. He's 
that actually reads to me. It doesn't read bad about the guy, but I do question you. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Like if everybody on your team has all these problems, maybe it's like, <laughs> I always say like if every kid in the college class fails the test, maybe it's the professor. Boom. Right. Like Absolutely. maybe it's not that everybody's stupid. Maybe you were charged with teaching these people and you didn't do a very good job of that. And so I think that, I think that where, where I'm with on it is, or where I'm at on it is help yourself by not drawing the conclusion. I've done it myself. Dude. That's like, powerful, I've bro. That. Like, I love I, that. Yeah. Cause if you say like, Oh, my boss hates me, <laughs> dude, like, cause you know, subconsciously you're going to perform in a manner consistent with how you feel. Yep. So you're going to do weird things. You're going to be in your car later. Like, why did I say that? Why did I do that? <laughs> it's because somewhere you built this wall. Right. And so I think if you can just like allow yourself the benefit of the fascination of the curiosity, like someone slams the door in your face. It's not that that guy's a jerk. I hmm. wonder what's going on in their life right man, now to yeah. have him hate me that not even hate me, but like hate his life so yeah. bad that he slammed the door on me. Yeah. Or why yeah. does that that's happening to me a lot lately? Interesting. Hmm. Like I'm noticing that I'm not getting very far with people. It's not that everyone in the neighborhood sucks. Trust me. <laughs> I've thought that before. Like one of my, uh, one of my favorite stories from my very first year selling is I was out, uh, I was out working this neighborhood and I was one of the top sales reps in the office at the time. Uh, and there was this guy that I was rooming with. Who's a good friend of mine who was one of the worst salespeople in the office. Great hang, poor salesman. Uh, and so I walked, I was walking through my neighborhood one day and there was an alarm sign in the yard of this dude that in my head was unsellable. Like I had met him and he was ridiculous. Like he was everything that I just said, you shouldn't think I was so certain of this person. He's a jerk. He's short. He's all these things. And I came back to the office and I was like, who sold this guy? I'm not even mad. Who sold this guy? <laughs> and it was my roommate. Who's one of the very worst sellers in the office. And I was like, Whoa. Like I was so certain that that guy was unsellable, but what I probably did is I hit him at the wrong time. Right? Like again, maybe he got bad news at work. Maybe what it could be a million different things. Maybe he was running out the door. Maybe, maybe his son needed help. I don't, I don't know what it was. I think that illustrates it so good. Cause your certainty I was, so was that certain. he was not sellable and you were wrong by the most unlike expectant <laughs> salesperson. Like when he sold him, I was like, it helped me be curious where it's like, now you can kind of look at it where like, you know, if, 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 if I were watching you sell, I'm not emotionally connected to it. I want you to do well, but if I'm seeing you get your butt kicked over and over again, I'm not like these people, what? Cause it's not, it's not personal. It's not coming at me. Yeah. I can look at it and be like, you keep getting shut down at the exact same spot. So the question is how can we get ourselves to the point where you can just look at what is right? Like the, one of my favorite quotes from your book is I don't want, I don't mind what matters. Right. That was from Pluck the Fud, right? Yeah. Where, uh, what's the background on that again? So I don't mind what tell, matters. Who's that? Tell me what's, what struck you with that. I'm, I'm super curious. You, you, so I, I don't remember the full context of the quote, but it's probably the thing that made me pause and think the most. So I'm trying to wrap my head right. So I'm, I'm trying to, to laser in with you. My brain was somewhere else. So yeah, I heard what you said, but I'm trying to catch where, where he says, I don't mind what matters. I think that that's the thing that helps a sale and it helps you detach from the emotion of a very emotional position, right? Where leadership is emotional and selling is emotional. And so in the, in the book, it talks about, it was about the, it was around the fascination part and uh, fascination over certainty or however you say it. 
but there's like an old proverb or the, or like a, like a guru from India or Eastern thought or something says, you want to know the secret to life is I don't, I don't mind. What oh, matters. okay. I'm with you now. I don't mind what matters. Yes. So if you can get yourself to that point where it's like, okay, it's raining outside. It's just a fact. I don't have any emotions about it. It's just raining. Or I don't have a sale yet today. It's not like, oh my gosh, I worked for free all day. It's, it's seven o'clock and I don't have a sale yet. That's it. Right. Where it's like, some days are going to be like that where you can kind of, you know, we call it a solar coaster here where yeah. like you ride extreme highs and extreme yeah, yeah, lows. Yeah. Um, but it's like, how do you get yourself to be even keeled? Where it's like, if I get a sale, it's good. It's better than not getting a sale, but I don't really mind. If I don't get a sale, some days are like that, right? It's yeah. like, if I have an argument with my wife, with my teammate, with somebody on the team, it just happened. It was just a hard thing, but it's not the conclusion that you're body and brain so badly wants to give it. I love it, dude. So you, you teed me up perfectly. And I like, like I, I need a mulligan. Uh, can I get, can I get a mulligan on this one? <laughs> a mulligan. Because here's the thing. What are we talking about so, a mulligan for? So you asked me what might, don't mind what matters. I'm like, oh, trying right, to yes. blank. I'm like, what okay. are you talking about? So here's the thing. So the, 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 the quote comes down and there's a powerful backstory. There's a rad backstory. I think it's really meaningful. So, um, I was with Mark Stidham. Mark Sidham is a, a multi-billionaire and I was doing some consult. I was, I worked with him on a, on some projects. I did some stuff. And one of the times I was in his office and he was about to make a decision that was a multi-million dollar decision. And he was asking like my opinion, what do I think? And it was direct sales related and the effect it would have on the field. And, and I just said, well, if this decision that you make is, is super like potent, like, It'll go this way, and and it probably likely if you decide to do that. I, I can't get too specific on it, but sure. trying to stay high level, but but also nail the point. So he's like, if we do this one thing that you're planning on doing, it will be like a bomb on the field, and it will the impact will be millions of dollars for this one decision. And he's like, listen, one of the things, and he looked me in the eye. And he he said this to me. He's like, I have to tell you, I want to do the right thing for longevity. And I don't mind what happens. And he's and there's a the quote by Kitty Kushafferson or some where he's like, this, my secret to happiness is I don't mind what happens. Regardless of the result. He's like, I'm not attached to the result. I'm attached to doing what I feel is the right thing, come what may, and love it. Mm-hmm. And so that's 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 the yeah. principle of of you know, where it's kind of next level like uh, leadership is next level decision making where where oftentimes we, we live in like the right answer and the right decision culture where it's like doing where where it's like oh we want to do what what feels right and comfortable to everybody and that's where it's gonna be popular and we live we live in that like right answer culture but going against that and making decisions sometimes that are not popular that are going to result in but it's the right decision it's gonna result in less revenue or it's gonna result in in like some people leaving your team yeah. or, but it's the right thing. And that, that's where the kind of the background of that. Um, that yeah. That I like that. And I like that. You, you had a really real example in the book about um, parting ways with a high performing toxic person. Yeah. Right. Where yeah. I think we've all been in that situation where we're like, and it maybe not even on your sales team, maybe it's in your life, maybe it's a friendship, maybe, you know, whatever, but where it's like, oh, I know my heart knows that this person is not a fit my brain's telling me they're a fair amount of revenue and do a lot of volume. I'm not in a position to lose volume. 
So what do you do? It's a right? tough one. All of us battle. That's a battle we all face. Absolutely. It's hard, but it shouldn't be because how many times have you learned that lesson the right way and the wrong way? You, you part ways with that person and the team does better. You get the, the 30 accounts that they were doing show up in motivation from other people that were already on the team that actually deserve your loyalty. Like you illustrate that in the book. Um, also, okay. So you lose 30 accounts, and then someone else walks in the door and they're great. And it's like, man, I, we have a certain market where, um, for a time we were really hesitant to let go of a leader. I've learned this and I've, I've also held on too long and learned the hard way and said to myself, I will never make that mistake again. I'll protect the culture at all costs. And then you get in these situations where you're like, well, but, <laughs> you just down, yeah. yeah. So we had this market and uh, we had a leader there who we needed to part ways with, but he was the only option. He was the only person there. And we were like, ah, oh, it was a fair amount of accounts. And eventually we parted ways, probably took too long, but we parted ways. Now I look at that market and it has 10 times the volume. Couldn't have seen it then. I didn't know how it was going to, but that's mm. that universal language. That's the adherence to principle and trusting that abundance follows principle. And that principle right? of pruning. Right. It's a principle of pruning. Yeah. I remember the tree, there was a tree in my neighbor's yard, but my kids and I would walk the, the trail and there was this beautiful backyard. It was so full, so many amazing trees. And one day we were walking and I, I have pictures of this I can show, but like we're walking and there was cut down like crazy. It was like gone. Yeah. And I'm like, <gasps> the tree. <gasps> what? And, and, and I, I was at, like, my kids were like, oh my, we were, we were crushed. We're like, dude, what happened to this? This is our favorite backyard. And turns out three months later, I mean, it, it had grown back. It started to grow back. And then six months later, it had grown back. And a year later, it was more beautiful and thriving. Right. And you couldn't see it. Cutting the tree seems so counterintuitive. Cutting the negative person on your team that's not a good cultural fit, that keeps you awake at night, that's an energy vampire, that sucks all the good energy out of you and the room. That's that's not a good strategy to, yeah, life's to hold short. on to. Yeah. Life's too short. Well, hey, man, we hung out for longer than I intended, but I was sufficiently nourished and stoked on the conversation. So thanks so much. So you, the books are Sellership, Pluck the FUD, BenWard.com is the website. You're yes. on all the socials and all the things. Absolutely. In fact, if you, if you pick up uh, Pluck the FUD from my website, I'll, I'll sign it. You'll, you'll, it'll, that comes to me, it comes to my office, and I'll sign oh, cool. that directly to you. Awesome. But you can get it anywhere online. You can get it at Barnes Noble. You can get it at Amazon. 30,000 different places you can pick it up. But that's one, just my website, and I'll, I'll get you a little personal signature with a little Pluck the FUD sticker and send awesome. it to you. Great. Well, thanks for being on. Thanks for sharing. And thank you guys for joining us. This has been another episode of Electric People. Heck yeah. Thanks, Todd. Great being with you. you listening to this and interested in joining our teams dm us on instagram at run the league what are you waiting for run the league shoot us a dm and let's get going